Amen. <clears throat> well, we welcome you to live streaming from uh, Landmark Baptist Church in Lyons, Georgia. Uh, we um, want you to turn, if you would, let's all stand and turn to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. The sixth chapter, and I'm only going to read the first verse for our text tonight, the first verse. Uh, he says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Again, Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the reading of it. And we just pray, Lord, you bless us as we attempt to preach it. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Uh, I've titled this message tonight, Learning Step by Step. This is a difficult part of Hebrews. It really is. It's a, it's a people, a lot of preachers stay out of Hebrews uh, because it, it is a difficult book. But this is a difficult part of it. That one verse that uh, I'm going to preach on tonight, I may be preaching on the same verse next Wednesday night, but uh, this verse I'm going to preach on tonight has so much in it. It has so many, so many things in it that uh, deep things, things that, uh, uh, things that uh, Paul teaches that, you know, Paul tells us that, you know, it was, it was uh, Peter who said to, to grow in grace and knowledge. But Paul here is, is teaching us how to grow in grace and knowledge. You, you learn step by step, you know. Once you learn one truth, then God will lead you to another truth. And once you learn that truth, God will lead you to another truth. And, and that's the way it's always been. That's the way it always is. Uh, and and it, it just, you just learn step by step. Uh, we, we learn in this whole chapter of the great apostle step-by-step equation of understanding the Word of God. Now, you know, we I hear it all the time. I heard it this week. Somebody said that, well, nobody understands all the Word of God. Well, it's not that hard, really, to understand all the Word of God if you've got the leadership of the Lord leading you. But Paul here gives us a, a step-by-step equation of understanding the Word of God. How, how, how do you understand the Word of God? Well, he, he gives this to us. It would do all of us well to follow this for our own lives. In order for us to grow in grace and knowledge, we must first realize that there is more to the Bible than the gospel. The gospel is great, but there's more to the Bible than gospel. You know, we've, uh, we, I've, I've had it said many times, I've heard people say it over the years, that, you know, that we ought to stick to the gospel all the time. But there, there's, there's other great truths in the Bible that God intends, God's going to teach his children, uh, them. Just, the gospel is just the beginning. The gospel is the, is the, is the very basic principle of the Word of God. Now, grant you, we would not be able to further ourselves in learning if it, if it were not for the gospel. You know, if somebody, somebody, sometime, someday, somewhere, 
preach the gospel to us. And, uh, and I remember that uh, 53 years ago, going on 54 years. I, I remember somebody preaching the gospel to me, Brother uh, Jim Jeffries, Brother Robbie Jeffries' daddy, preached the gospel to me, and, and as a result of it, uh, I trusted the Lord as my Savior, and the Lord led me to, uh, to not only be saved, but, but two months later, he led me to, to be, a, a, be one of his preachers. And, and that's, uh, that, was, that was a great step. I tell you, I, I often, when the Lord first called me to preach, I was 22 years old. And I thought, well, I, I wasn't the sharpest uh, uh, knife in the drawer. But, uh, but the God saw fit, God taught me that he would teach me the things that he wanted me to know. And he has over the years, and I'm so thankful for it. It was the great apostle Paul who said, How shall we call on him? In whom, how, how shall they call on him in, who, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That's in Romans 10 verses 14 and 15. Now we find that uh, that Paul here uh, says that everything begins with the principles of the gospel. Everything begins. Our learning of, of Scripture begins with the principle of the gospel. You know, within the gospel are doctrines, just hundreds of them, in the gospel. And I mean, you can you can spend a lot of time in the gospel, and I have over the years. You can spend a lot of time in the in the gospel just teaching the doctrines of the gospel. You know, a lot of people say, well, we ought to teach less doctrine and preach more gospel. But I'm going to tell you, the, the gospel is full of doctrines. And certainly that's something that, that's what Paul is saying here. The very first step, the very first step in, in learning the word of God is, is, is knowing the gospel, which is the principles, principle of all things in the scriptures. This is the beginning principle of doctrine. That is uh, what Paul, I just read to you from Paul. It is a blessed thing if one brings a gospel to another. That's a blessed thing. That's, what you're doing is, is, is when you take the gospel to someone and they're saved and then, and then they, they are on that first, that first ladder, that first rung of that ladder that leads to perfection. And, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. That ladder, that ladder, that first rung of that ladder that leads perfection. Then, and then we just climb higher and higher and higher as time goes along. And he's, he teaches us how to do that. <clears throat> it is a blessed thing if one brings a gospel to another. The gospel, as we learned last week, is referred to in Scripture as the milk of the word. That is the milk of the word, just like the babies. You know, we've got uh, uh, we got one baby already here, or two babies really, counting uh, counting Rachel, and then we've got the third baby that's going to be here in about a week or two, and uh, 
And so, but those babies start out on milk. But, you know, if, if, they don't, if, don't, if they don't ever grow out of milk, then we get concerned about them. You know, we get concerned about, well, why are we, we're concerned about those that never get any further than the gospel. You know, they, I, I know of preachers, every message they preach is about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They never preach a message about anything. They never preach about the gospel of grace. They always preach about the gospel of invitation or, or the gospel of, uh, of easy believism. They never preach uh, the gospel uh, of grace, which is the greatest doctrine the gospel has within it. But, uh, it. but the gospel is the milk of the word. We also learn that babies grow out of milk, that milk stage, into the meat stage. The meat of of the scriptures being the more difficult things of the scriptures. In understanding the scriptures, we must not be like those of the Galatian church who the great apostle Paul rebuked. Back over in the book of Galatians, turn with me over there if you would. Back over in the book of Galatians and the, the fourth chapter of the book of Galatians, I want to bring something to you here that that will, uh, I, I know that, I know you've heard these things before, but but how much of it have you understood? Uh, the Galatians didn't understand hardly any of it, and we'll, you'll see that in here. In Galatians, the fourth chapter, beginning in the eighth verse, here Paul is speaking to the Galatian church, just like I'm speaking to Landmark Baptist Church tonight. Uh, Paul was speaking to the Galatian church. Paul says, How bid then... In the 8th verse of the 4th chapter of Galatians, How bid then, when ye knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. I mean, even before you're saved, you worship something. It, it, may, be, it may be something in your life that, that, that you worship, something uh, just like somebody asked me one time a question. They said, do you love your car? That's the question they asked me. They said, do you love your car? I said, well, I like my car, but I said, I can't say I love it. And he said, well, I love my car. He said, I don't know what I would do without it. He said, I just love, he said, I just love to sit out here and look at it. He said, I love my car. Well, uh, that's, that's the very thing that Paul is talking about here, that there was something that we loved before we were saved. We may have loved our sin, we, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm here to tell you tonight, as I have told you before, I loved what I was doing before I was saved. I loved it. I mean, when those fellas come by and said, hey, Paul, let's go, man, I was ready to go. I was ready. That happened uh, about a week after I was married, after Rhonda and I married. I took off and left with that bunch, and, and Rhonda threatened to leave me, uh, but I took off and left with that bunch, and uh, I loved it. I loved it. That's before I was saved. I wasn't saved until eight months after we, we, were, we were married. But anyway, uh, Paul says here, he says, we, we had something that we, we worshiped before. But he says, but now, that is, after that ye have known God, that is, after you're saved, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements 
wherein ye desire again to be in bondage. I mean, you take people who make professions of faith, and they they can they, they never go any further than that in in their in their life, and 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 they go they turn and they go right back to the things that they were doing before they were saved. And and Paul said Paul said, why do you turn back to those beggarly elements? Uh, wherein you desire again to be in bondage. You know, some of the beggar, beggarly elements of the law were those laws that said you shall do it. You have no choice. You have to do it. You have no choice. You know, we, we don't tell you that you have to do anything. We Just like Brother David Collier said, Brother David Collier said we should never say in our heart we have to go to church. You young people, you know, you should never say in your heart that you have to go to church. You should say in your heart, I want to go to church. This is where I want to be, and this is, this is where I want to be tonight, too, is, is in the Lord's house. But, but these people were turning back to the law, some, some of the beggarly elements of the law. Beggarly elements of the law was that God says, Thou shalt do this. Thou shalt do that, and thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. And they turned back and put themselves back in bondage by, by worshiping the law again when, when, when they were freed from the law. Free from the law, a wonderful condition, the psalm says. And so certainly they were free from the law. And then he says up here in the 10th verse, you observe days and months and times and years. You know, the, the Jews had... All their holy days, they had their holy days, and, and a lot of the holy days that they had have been passed along to the, to the Gentile, and a lot of the Gentile churches, they, they worship some of the holy days that come along. He says, you observe days and months and times and years. I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Paul said, that's not normal. It's not normal for you to turn back to those things. When God has freed you, freed you, then why do you want to turn back to those things and put the shackles of the law back on you again? You know, people, uh, uh, as I've said, there are certain times of year that, that people walk around, they got shackles on them. They said, I have to do this, I have to do that. I have, I've, I've heard them arguing in, in the aisles at Walmart and saying, uh, arguing about, we don't have to do this. Yeah, we have to do this. We don't have, yeah, we do have to do this. We don't have to buy this. Yeah, we do have to buy this. I mean, that's, uh, the shackles are, are on us that we have to go back and we have to do things just because family loves it, because friends love it, then we have to do it too according to that. That's what he's referring to here. He said, brethren, I beseech, beseech you, be as I am. For I am as you are. Ye have not injured me at all. You know, you, you didn't do me any harm by turning back. You only harmed yourself. You know, some people some people think, well, I don't like that preacher, but right now we've got this thing going on. Nobody likes the president. You know, uh, everybody, he's, they have what they call those Trump haters. They, they hate him. They despise him. They can't stand him. Well, uh, Paul says here, Paul says, uh, uh, brethren, I am as you are. Ye have not injured me at all. You know, you haven't hurt me at all. You're not going to stop me. 
just because you just because you turn yes i led you to the lord yes i taught you and yes you've turned back to those things that that we taught you against and and paul said but paul said you haven't hurt me he says i i'm still saved i'm still i'm still going to heaven he said you haven't hurt me at all only person you've hurt is yourself when you do those things he says you know how through in infirmity of the flesh I preach the gospel unto you at the first. Now, let me tell you something. Paul, Paul had a worse problem than your pastor's got. He couldn't see. Paul, Paul had to have somebody write everything down for him. Paul, Paul was, Paul was what, what we would call today legally blind. A lot of people don't know that. He was legally blind when God called him to preach. And, and Paul, Paul tells him here, he says, I, I came to you and I brought the gospel to you when, it, when the infirmity of, of the flesh, he said, I still preach the gospel unto you at the first. Even though Paul said, you know, I, I can't even see. But he said, I preach the gospel to you. I mean, you, you, don't, need to, you don't need to see to preach the gospel. Uh, a blind man can preach the gospel. Matter of fact, there was a blind preacher that I went to seminary with, and he 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 took a church there down in in Athens, Kentucky. It, they called it Athens up there, Athens, Kentucky, and uh, and his wife would sit and read the scripture to him. That was because he was blind; he couldn't see. But anyway, uh, Paul says, "I came to you, and, and I brought it to you under under a lot of." A lot of stress. I still brought the gospel to you. In the 14th verse, he says, In my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despise not, nor rejected, but receive me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. He said, Why, why did you, why did you receive me? Why were you, why, why did you love me at first and then turn on me? Why, why did you love the things that I preached to you at first and then turn on me? That's when, that's when he said, that's what he said up there. He said, I'm afraid of you. He said, I'm afraid of you. He said, he said when in verse 15, he said, where is there, where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if, if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. He said, that's how much you love me when I was preaching to you. What, what happened? What happened? You know, we've said this many times. I've said this many times over the years. What happened? You know, we've had people come to Landmark Baptist Church and they just talk about love the pastor and everything. Then they're gone. What happened? You know, that's, that's what we're saying. What happened? I, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what happens to people. I don't know why it is that people, I, Neil was praying a while ago about people who, don't come to church as they should. Uh, but uh, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know why people just quit. People think the pastor just knows it all, why people just quit. I don't know why they just quit. And Paul's telling them the same thing. He says, I don't know. He says, there was a time when you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me because he couldn't see. That that's, that's, was a proof of that right now. In the 16th verse, 
he says uh, in the 16th verse, he said, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected, always in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you, but I'm going to add something here, but when I'm not here. He says it shouldn't change. It shouldn't change. I've known of people that that uh, that uh, they 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 fall in love with one pastor. When that pastor leaves and he goes down the road somewhere, they follow him down there. Paul said, "Paul said, I expect you to act the same way you did when I was here. As you as you as you, I, I don't expect the same way. I want you to act the same way you did when I was here. When I'm not here, he said, I don't want you acting any other way." He said, the 19th verse, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now. Now, he's writing to them. You have to understand this. He's, he's got his penman writing these things to them. And, and he says, I, I, would, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I understand in doubt, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me. Ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? Do ye not hear what the law says? You, the people that desire to be under sin, do they not hear what sin is telling them? Do they not hear what sin is saying? Do, do they not hear how Satan is using that sin and, and he's using it against them? Do, do they not know that? Do they not understand that? And that's, that was Paul's ideal of, of why people turn back away from uh, the truths of the word. The apostle admonishes us to let's go on to perfection. He says let's go on to perfection. Back over there in in the book of uh, Hebrews. I turned away from it. But back over in the book of Hebrews, he says in the sixth chapter, he says "Let, let us go on to perfection. Let us go forward to perfection. Now what does he mean there? What does he mean by that? And, and this is to every one of you tonight. Everybody that's listening here on, on uh, live streaming, it's for you. Let, let, us, let us go on to perfection, not in living. because There's no way you can live perfect. You can live a perfect life or practice. There's no way you can practice a perfect life because you're going to fall. You're going to fail somewhere. You're going to fail somewhere in your modesty and your and, and your religious living, you're going to fail somewhere. That, that's, that's for sure. But in a more perfect knowledge of the Scriptures. That's what he's referring to here. He said, let us go on to perfection. You know, you can get perfect in the Scriptures. You can get perfect in the Scriptures. You, 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 get, to, you get in the Scriptures where, you know, it just blesses your heart. You know, it, it blessed my heart if, if somebody preached on the, preached the gospel every time they got up. That blessed my heart. But it also blessed my heart if somebody preached some of the great doctrines when they get up too. You know, when, when we go to perfection, then, then that, 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 that just makes us, we understand. We understand what's being preached. 
we understand what's being said as far as the Word of God is concerned. Now, uh, I've heard many times over the years that the Scriptures can never be understood, but that's not so. You can understand the Scriptures. You can understand all the Scriptures, but you've got to take it step by step. Brother Ed, uh, I wish I could find it. I have looked for it. I, don't, I know I've got a copy of it somewhere, but Brother Ed wrote a pamphlet on how to study the Scriptures. It was very good, very good pamphlet that he wrote on it, how to study the Scriptures. Those who want to stay in a stage of legalism will never understand grace. You know, if you, if you want to live like, well, I'll do, five, I'll do two good things for God, then, then, then he, won't, he won't mind if I do one good thing for myself. Or, or I, I'll, do, I'll do four or five bad things against God. He'll, he'll be all right. God will be all right with me if I just do five or six things, good things. That's legalism. That's legalism. You know, I've had people tell me, I say, well, uh, where were you last week at church? Well, you better be glad I'm here this week. I've had that said to me. You better be glad I'm here this week. You know, uh, that's legalism. That's legalism because legalism teaches you that you can do so much, you can do a lot of good, but if you do any bad, then you can do a lot of good and it'll override that bad. That's Roman Catholicism. That's what Roman Catholicism teaches. It teaches that, it teaches that, uh, you can override the bad things you do with good things. That's legalism. That's legalism all the way, all the way to the end. Legalism. Those who want to stay in a stage of legalism will never understand grace. They'll never understand peace. They'll never, never understand love. They'll never understand joy. They'll never understand long suffering. They'll never understand gentleness. They'll never understand goodness. They'll ne never understand faith, meekness, and temperance. They won't ever understand those things. They'll never understand those things. They'll never understand why that, that they want to do those things because they're, leaving, they're living legally. They'll say, well, I go back over here in the Old, Old Testament. I can show you in the Old Testament where the Bible says that we should do this. Yes, it does. But that's legalism. Jesus, when Jesus died on the tree, he, he done away with all of those Old Testament laws. Every one of them. The, all the Mosaic laws, all the Levitical laws, he done away with all of those. So we don't live with those anymore. We don't live with those laws. We, we live by grace. We live by peace. We live by love. We live by joy. We live by long-suffering. We live by gentleness. We live by goodness. We live by faith. We live by meekness. We live by temperance. All these things have no law. There is no law in the Old Testament, nowhere. There, there, is, uh, there is no Mosaic law or no Levitical law uh, that says that one must long suffer or one must be gentle. There's no law in the Old Testament that says that. No law in the Old Testament says that you should have faith. You can't find it. There's no law in the Old Testament that says you should understand grace. No law. 
There's no law for those things. There's no law in the Old, Old Testament that says you should practice temperance. All of you know what temperance is. That's when you stay out of things you don't need to get hooked in. Temperance. Temperance is, is, is you know, you take one drink. Now, I know, I know how this is. You take one drink, you want the second one. You take the second one, it makes the third one easier. The third one makes the fourth one a lot easier. And, and it's not, not long until you get to where, to where that you, you have no more temperance at all. It's all good. It's all okay. It hadn't hurt me so far. I feel good. Nothing's happened. And, and so I'll just go right on. Search the old scriptures and see if they are mentioned. If these things are mentioned in the scriptures. <clears throat> we might say here, should the Old Testament laws be taught? Of course. They're, they're, they're a good practice in your life. But they don't save you. Old Testament laws are a good practice in your life. They're a good practice in your life. And when the Lord says, when, when the Lord says that uh, uh, you shouldn't curse, that's a good practice. That's a good thing to practice. When, 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 uh, when the Old Testament law says that you shouldn't covet, that's a good practice. It says you shouldn't covet your neighbor's wife. Or you, the things your neighbor has, that's a good practice. And the Old Testament law says you should love your neighbor. That's a good practice. But it has nothing to do with being saved. It has nothing to do with being saved. Not one thing to do. They should not be taught to one to one who has been they should not be taught to one who has been saved by grace as a way of living his or her life. You know, you don't you, you live your life according to grace. You live your life according to how the Lord leads you in your life. You, li you live your life according to the will of God. What the will of God is for your life. What's the will of God for your life, you know? Well, what is the will of God? Is the will of God for your life to be in the Lord's house when they meet? Is that a will of God in your life? It is mine. It is mine. Is that the will of God in your life? Well, let us see what the great apostle says of this. Turn with Romans 10. We're going to turn over there, and then I'm going to be closing. In Romans 10, and beginning in verse 1, here's what Paul says about it. This very thing that I'm preaching on right now. Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire, verse, very first verse of the 10th chapter of Romans. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, who would think that Israel's not saved? Well, I know of people who teach that those Israelites who keep the law are saved. They're not. They're not. Those that live by the law, they're not. Look what Paul says. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they bring ignorance of God to righteousness... I'm saying, for they being ignorance of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the, law, the righteousness of the law, which is the law that a man which doeth those things shall live by them. I tell you, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to live 
to live your life by the, by the Old Testament, by pulling one scripture out here. Because let me tell you, folks, you're going to run up on something you can't do. You're going to wonder, well, why in the world would God tell me to do something that I can't do? You're going to run up on things that you can't do. You're going to run up on things that you just can't accomplish in life. I like to say it like this, you know. There's a scripture that says Judas Iscariot went out and hanged himself. Another scripture says go and do likewise. You know, and that's a... That, that's, that's what we do when we start pulling Scripture out of context and using it. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about, Moses said, if, you, if you're going to live by the law, then you're going to have to live by all the law. You cannot break one tot or one, one tittle or, 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 or one part of the law of God. You cannot break one. If you're going to live by the law, you can't break one. If, you, if you're going to say... As, as, a, as a family said to me one time up in the mountains of Kentucky, I was visiting, and a family said to me, they said, the preacher said, uh, we all believe in the Ten Commandments. And said, there's no use talking to us. We all believe in the Ten Commandments. I said, what are the Ten Commandments? Oh, you know what they are. I said, well, you say you live by them. What are the Ten Commandments? They said, well, I, I can't quote them right now. I said, you said you live by them. That's what, that's what, uh, that's what Moses taught. Moses describeth the righteousness, of the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things should live by them. Well, if you're living by the Ten Commandments, you should know what every one of them are. You should know them by heart. You should know them by heart. You should know, you should know, you should never, you should, shouldn't even have to look somewhere and find what do they say if you're living by the Ten Commandments. But there's people out there that think they're saved because they, they believe in the Ten Commandments. They believe in the Ten Commandments. In the seventh verse, well, in the sixth verse, he says, but the righteousness, which is a faith, here, here's the righteousness that you have today, but the righteousness which is a face speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend up into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what say it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. What did those folks tell me that said they live by the Ten Commandments? They couldn't even tell me what they were. The Bible says here, Paul says here that if you're living by the Word of God, then 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 you know what's in the Word of God. You know what's taught there, and, and you know what to, to tell other people is taught there. But we'll stop here, for there are many things which are hard to understand, and we're going to pick up some of that.